Morning. Oh, you can turn me down just a little bit. Everybody's on vacation. How many want to go on vacation? How many never want to come back? No. <laughs> Amen. Turn me down just a little more if you can. Um, I want to read this to you. I read this this week and, and uh, it's, it, it just ministered to me. We hear sometimes words, you know, through prophetic voices. And we say, oh, that's good. And about a year later, we get it. So I'm going to give you one today. I want you to listen to this. And, and Brenda Kuhneman quotes, she says it by the Spirit, kind of a, a mini prophecy. She says, don't stay limited. Only to what you've learned thus far are to old methods that shouldn't be considered any longer. For in the next few years ahead, I'm going to bring fresh input, but it shall require, now listen, it shall require a flexible and teachable heart. Say, I have a flexible and teachable heart. So you can embrace the fullness of the good plan I have for you. Then she quotes Isaiah 43:18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Accepting change can be tough. It's why some people attend dead churches, listen to dry sermons, and refuse to open their heart to anything fresh. Sometimes we get stuck with what we're used to because it feels safe. When God began to prophesy to Israel about their coming Messiah, He told them that there were some methods under the Old Covenant that were going to be abolished. When Jesus came, they had a hard time accepting Him because He came in a package different from that what they were used to. They got so used to certain method and preference that they couldn't see God in anything outside the limitations they created. We often do the same thing. We like certain music, preachers, and types of churches. And often when God begins to raise up fresh voices and expressions we, expressions, we can't flow with them. That doesn't mean we accept anything that comes along, but combined with proper discernment, we need to realize that God isn't going to do everything according to our preferences. We need to realize that God isn't going to do everything according to our preferences. We need to realize that God isn't going to do everything according to our preferences. Did you get it? Don't get stuck in the former today and ask God to teach you and ask God to teach you how to embrace the fresh things He wants to bring so you can walk in the fullness of what He has for you. Say this with me. Father, teach me how to flow with the fresh things You're bringing into my life. I choose to be open to change and pray that you would help me discern the new and not be limited by the old that I might walk in the plan that you have for me. Amen.
We're going to sing that again. And I want you to get loud. Amen? Loud. Okay, let's see. Great are your ways.
sing Hosanna. Guys, we don't have any palm branches to lay down before. So just lay down your hearts. Lay down anything that would come between His complete and total salvation of you. His saving grace in your hearts. Just lay Him down before Him. Jesus, we lift you up. Our Lord, our Savior, and our soon coming King. You deserve all the glory, all the honor, and the praise. And Lord, we ready our lives and our hearts in these last days. Vessels of honor sanctified and useful for you Lord Jesus that's our hearts cry so spirit of grace help us embrace the new in this hour
Help us prepare. Help us to make the changes and the adjustments in our heart's attitude. We love and honor You, King Jesus. And we welcome You, Spirit of Grace, this morning to teach us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it's wonderful to worship God, isn't it? And, and get in His presence in the days ahead. Just come with an expectancy in your heart. Will you do that? Amen. We've got a, a different individual giving us announcements. Amy. Amen. Good morning, churchgoers. couple announcements. Um, this Tuesday there will be no Patriots United. Um, Wednesday 7 p.m. we're going to host a movie here um, called Nefarious. How many of you have seen that? It is an excellent, excellent movie. It was in theaters for a while and um, the church was able to get a license to play it here. It's about how um, demonic forces are influencing our society and I would highly, highly recommend if you haven't seen it, you come. And bring a friend. I believe everybody should see this movie. It is absolutely excellent. Um, there is no charge um, to get in the doors. There is, however, a free will offering that will go towards Patriots United for that. Um, Sunday, July 16th, we're going to have uh, a training for all um, everybody that works in children's ministry. We've got a new check-in system that helps keep our kids um, safe, and we need everybody that works within either nursery, toddlers, preschool. Um, if you're upstairs in children's church, you need to attend the meeting. That's going to be next. Hold on, I lost my spot. Next Sunday, July 16th. It's only going to be about 10 minutes. And if you can't make it to that one, we will have a second meeting um, on July 30th. Um, and we absolutely do need you to attend one of those so you can learn how the system works so that we're doing it correctly and, like I said, keeping our kids safe because there's nothing more important than that. Uh, Sunday, July 23rd, Apostle Mike Keyes will be here at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Um, he's always a blessing every time he comes, so make sure you're able to make it to those services. And then, like I always say, the best day of the year is Fastly approaching. Saturday, August 26th is Jesus Day. Kaylee, perfect. Um, <laughs> so we've got a handful of kids signed up, but we need more. Our goal is always 100 kids, and I think we can do it this year. Every year we do this, it gets better and better and better, and I think this is going to be the best year yet. Um, John Tash is going to be here. I don't know how many of you... Um, Got to experience him last time he was here, but he is excellent. And he's going to be here to really exhort the kids and pump them up. It's going to be a really fun day. Uh, we are doing pre-registration. Um, if the kids register by July 31st, you can see it on the, the card there, they are entered into a drawing to win a hoverboard. And who doesn't want a hoverboard? All right, so we want to get these cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you threw me off, Pastor. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, there are, I noticed somebody set cards out on, on the seats out there. Take those, hand them out. Um, there's lots of opportunities to do that. There's fairs coming up. Um, just get out and talk to people. If you have kids, have your kids pass them out. Um, kids in our children's church, it looks like they all left, but um, they are also, if you want to tell, if you're a parent of the kids, we are going to do a little... Um, giveaway here. The the boy and the girl that each invites the most kids to Jesus Day wins $50. So that's a really nice incentive for them. So make sure you let them know. Make sure if you see the kids around church, you're pumping them up. You're, are you going to win that $50? You know, get them hyped up. Get them out there inviting kids. And you know, as adults, we need to be out there inviting them too. I mean, we're Christians. We're supposed to be able to talk to people, right? And what better way to minister than to get kids in here and get kids trained up and, and have them really experience the love of God and experience this really awesome event. So make sure you're doing that. I'm going to find you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll take it. If you get the devotional which you should, this week there was one, uh, a daily devotional in there about children and about, I think it was Hezekiah and how he was glad that God would bless him during his lifetime, but he cared very little about the children of the next generation. And that's wrong. We need to be concerned about the children. That needs to be one of our primary focuses. So I encourage you to get that devotional if you don't have it and read that but also um, invite kids to Children's Church. Before the service, at the beginning of the service, Mike talked about change and how things are changing and how God wants us to change. God's character never changes. His word never changes, but our lives change and, and the way we do things change. And, and one of the quickest ways to become legalistically religious is by doing the same thing over and over and over, and we don't want that. Or Roberts used to say, I heard him say this multiple times, a rut is nothing more than a grave with the ends kicked out. And so we got to look at things, and I, the word of God is so important. But people sometimes struggle. It's like it, get, it becomes dry to them. And, you know, it's good to read through the Bible. But you don't have to read through the Bible on this legalistic thing every year. You don't have to read the Bible the same. And if it becomes dry, maybe it's because you're in a rut and you need to change it up. And so one of the things I like to do is I like to do word studies. And I just, if there's a word that it just keeps coming to me, just get that word and get in your concordance and go through and study all the scriptures that have to do with that word. So this week I did a word study, and it was something different. It wasn't the kind of, it wasn't faith or mercy or anything like that. It was the word poor. And people get this idea religiously that we should be poor or it's honorable to be poor. So I've never understood that. I've never seen that in the scriptures. There is one scripture in Matthew 5, verse 3. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is one of the most worst translations that could be. And it's a bad interpretation. What it's talking about to be poor in spirit is to be humble. 
So don't confuse that with finances. It is not talking about finances. You can't take the word of God out of context. But I went through and I'm going to read you some scriptures about being poor or about the word poor. Leviticus 19.15, it says, You shall not be partial to the poor. Deuteronomy 15, For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and to your needy. Psalm 41 once says, Blessed is he who considers the poor, the helpless and the powerless. Psalm 68.10, You, O God, provided from your goodness for the poor. Proverbs 10.4, He who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent he makes rich. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Galatians 2.10 says, They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. The thing I noticed is, and there's a lot more scriptures, these are just a few. The thing that I noticed when I went through there and never had stopped to really think about it, all these scriptures teach us how to deal with the poor. It never considers us to be poor. The implied subject in these scriptures is you as a blessed people. And how you treat the poor. So we can't think that it's honorable or God's perfect will. There are circumstances that people go through where they have trouble financially. But it doesn't, if you get into the word of God, it does not have to stay there. And you've got to get past that point. People get in this rut. They hear one thing and it isn't necessarily scriptural. We need to find out what the word of God says. And God never calls you poor. He tells you how to help the poor. And that's his desire. So, next week I'm going to study the word prosperity. But I'm going to read you a few that I looked up. Deuteronomy 8.18, this is one of my favorites. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power or the ability to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, so that you can help the poor and promote the gospel. Psalm 34.10, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Genesis 39.3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Third John, verse 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. Our Father is a good heavenly Father. He wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing. And everything he establishes is to get to the point where we can be more like him, and he blesses those that serve him. So ushers, you may go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
Amen. We're on a subject, and uh, I kind of got off a little bit, but uh, let me just go through this because we're uh, going to try to finish this today. How many of you believe in miracles? The purpose of our series is to gain understanding of what? The anointing of God. The person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and its purpose in your life as a believer. God has given us, His people, the anointing of the Holy Spirit so they they might be taught, led, and empowered to set the captives free. Now, I'm going to review quick, and then we're going to to get in this. And you can follow your sheet. Um, We'll take up right probably in the middle. But let's review just a little bit. We said before there's a manifestation of God's glory, there must be what? Do you remember? Divine order. Who said that? Divine order. Let me say it again. Now you know why I repeat every week. The preacher repeats every week. Before there's a manifestation of God's glory. How many of you want the glory of God? There must be divine order. What do you mean divine order? Your thought life needs to be in order. Your finances need to be in order. Your relationships need to be order. Your spiritual life needs to be in order. Amen? Order. Everyone say order. Order in the church. Say that. Amen. Before there's divine order, there must be an application of godly wisdom. Before there's an application of godly wisdom, there must be evidence of a humble heart. So I began this, but I read you the scripture. Remember when the priests, they all came into the temple and everything was in order and they built Solomon's temple and they began to worship God and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. But I began to look at that and I know as the Spirit of God prompted me to go even beyond the order part and we saw the need for godly wisdom and we saw the need for humility. So there is an order to all of this. Say this with me. Number one, humility, wisdom, order, then the glory. It starts there. We gave you a a few definitions of wisdom, and I like this in in Dick Mills' um, devotional. He he says, wisdom and knowledge go together like a husband and wife, they dovetail. And this is what you need to understand, because there's a difference between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is facts, it's informational. Wisdom is understanding, it is directive and procedural. Knowledge provides the data needed to be informed and aware. Wisdom provides the insight to know how to proceed based on the facts at hand. Remember, I gave you the example. Noah had the facts about the coming flood 120 years before it arrived on the scene. But he really didn't know what to do about the flood until a word of wisdom came which stated, build an ark. So you can have all the knowledge... And all the facts and all the information. And there are people full of knowledge and full of facts, but they're not full of wisdom. Because wisdom will tell you what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Amen? I've told you this, I never forgot my daddy always used to say, Son, if you want to play good golf, play with good golfers. If you want to obtain wisdom, then get around wise people and not 
foolish people. You are who you hang around. Maybe some of us need some new relationships. Amen. Now, we, we told you that the parent David took his son Solomon and began to put into him wisdom. Began to explain to him how important wisdom was. Alright? Now, I want you to look at Second Chronicles. And we're going to talk about Solomon. We're going to talk about the Queen of Sheba. Look at Second Chronicles. Look at uh, chapter 1. Second Chronicles 1. Now, how many of you remember what, what is Solomon known for? Wisdom, is he not? I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's sad to say how his life ended because wisdom wasn't involved. But a bunch of women sure were. It says in chapter 1 of Second Chronicles, Now Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. And Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the captains of thousands and the hundreds, to the judges, to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses. Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness." Okay, jump down to 7, verse 7. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? Now, what if God appeared to you in a dream? And said, Abe, ask. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. (laughs) Hopefully, you would ask for something wise. Amen. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father, and and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Verse 10. Now give me what? Wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you've not asked for riches, wealth, honor, or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the, have the like. Now look at 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to read the same account. Just a little bit different. 1 Kings chapter 3. Look at verse 4. We've been talking about wisdom, but now we're going to get into humility. All these are keys that lead to the glory of God. It says in verse 4, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Wow. But it smelled good. 
At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Solomon said, You've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You've continued this great kindness for him, and you've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king instead of my father David. Now listen to what Solomon says. But I am a what? Little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I might discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech, what, pleased the Lord, that Solomon had, had asked this thing, and then God said to him, because you've asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, Behold, I've done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches, honor, and there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. The Amplified says, I am but a lad in wisdom and experience. I know not how to go out or to begin or come in or finish. So we see there was a heart of humility there in Solomon. Amen? He said, I'm just a kid. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to begin this great project or how to even finish it. And that's what I want you to understand today. Wherever you're at, you need to maintain humility before God. Now let me read this. I found this and I, th I thought it was good. A heart of humility leads to wisdom. Say that. A heart of humility leads leads to wisdom. And what's, what's the prescription? Humility. What's number two? Wisdom leads to order and then the glory. He says, though Solomon would later lose his way, he started out with clear humility before the Lord in the face of an intimidating assignment to serve as the king. He recognized that the reason he was given this task, now listen folks, was not about him. It wasn't because of his ability or even his lineage, but he was being called to serve the people of Israel for their good and for God's glory. Because Solomon had humility and was willing to admit and ask for what he lacked, God gave him the wisdom that he needed, as well as wealth and honor. As a result of God's blessing, Solomon would become known as the wisest king of his time. And his writings, which include most of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon, helped people gain wisdom for living even to this day. People who will, now listen, people who will approach their assignments. How many of you ever have an assignment from God? 
People who will approach their assignments with humility before God and with a kingdom-focused understanding of why they've been given an assignment will ask for and be open to receiving and walking in wisdom that comes from the Lord. So, whatever God's called you to do, whatever He's called me to do, keep a humble heart. Keep your heart teachable. Don't become a know-it-all. <laughs> Amen? Here's a definition of humility. It's a sense of moral insignificance and, and a humble attitude of unselfish concern for the welfare of others. It takes a humble heart. Now listen, it takes a humble heart to admit that you don't know everything. Everyone raise your hand. Say this. Repeat after me. I do not know everything. It takes a humble heart to admit that you don't know everything. It takes humility to ask for help. Everyone raise your hand. Help me, Lord. It takes humility to admit that your life and your affairs are out of order. It takes a humble heart to admit there's some things in your personal life that are out of order. I hope you don't make me raise my hand. Everyone raise your hand. Holy Spirit, if there's something out of order in my life, reveal it to me. And I'll get back in order. Amen. Here's the definition of pride. Haughtiness. Arrogance. Now, this is the one that stuck out for a definition for pride. A disdainful attitude toward others. A disdainful attitude towards others. Who do you think you are? I know more than you. A disdainful attitude. That's pride. It's a pharisaical sin characterized by a superiority of attitude. I'm better than you. You don't know anything. How many know people like that? <laughs> Proverbs 16:18 says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. So if you maintain that heart's attitude of pride and a disdainful attitude for others, there will be a day, folks, you will fall. And I've got a news flash for you. There are quite a few in Washington D.C. and the state capital of Lincoln and this local government that will fall. Don't get nervous about when or how, but mark my words. I gave you the word of the Lord. And if you have that kind of attitude, and especially if you're coming against God's people in this hour and God's kingdom plans and purposes, you're headed for a fall. And sad to say, many of them will be Christians. 
I don't like to say that, but it's true. Because they're deceived. Second Timothy 3.2 says, One of the signs of the last days that men will be full of pride. It's there in the Word. So if we as believers, what should we, what should we be motivated to do? Keep our hearts right. Keep our hearts humble. Keep our hearts teachable. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 2 Chronicles. We're in the Old Testament today. 2 Chronicles. I went online on YouTube to try to find a short thing that would describe the Temple of Solomon, and they were all too long. And the one I found just didn't fit it, so I, I don't want to play it. Didn't want to play it. But if you look through the Word of God and study how this temple was built, it was one of the wonders of the world. So this queen, the Queen of Sheba, it's about 1,200 miles from Jerusalem in a mountainous area. I think it's modern-day Yemen today. With her whole tribe group came to see Solomon and to seek his wisdom. Let's start with verse 1. It says, When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, having a very great retinue of camels that bore spices, gold in abundance, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered some, all of her questions. There was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, how do you see wisdom? Well, she saw the fruit of wisdom. The house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of, of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Now the first thing the queen mentioned was Solomon's wisdom. And the last thing before she became overwhelmed was his devotion to God. The Amplified talks about it this way. She saw him probably go up the stairs to make all the sacrifices. And the Amplified in verse 4 says, And his burnt offerings which he offered at the house of the Lord. So that's, she saw the wisdom and then she saw how he was so involved in his worship, the worship of his God. And it basically took the breath away. She was overwhelmed. Now look at verse 5. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I would heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe their words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You exceed the fame of which I heard. Now this is what stuck out to me, verse 7. Happy are your men, and happy are your what? Who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Wisdom. 
A lot of Christians are not happy because they're not operating in the wisdom of God. Meditate on that. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighteth in you, setting you on His throne to be king over the Lord your God, because your God has loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore He made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. And in verse 9, I won't read it. What she end up doing? Giving him a bunch of gold. <laughs> Did he need it? No. See, when you operate in the wisdom of God, these things will just, it's like a magnet. And you wonder why the church has a poverty mentality. You have that kind of mentality, God can't get it to you. Because you're not operating in wisdom. Raise your hand. I need wisdom. Now, here's, we'll close with this. Wisdom's characteristics, and there's, there's more to this, and I, I had to keep it simple and short. I forgot the order here. It starts with what? Humility, wisdom, order, and then the glory. Wisdom's characteristics. Number one, reverence for God is the starting point. The fear of the Lord is the starting point for wisdom. But if you don't fear God, you're not going to operate in the wisdom of God. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Number two, wisdom must be sought after. Proverbs 4.7 said, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. If you're struggling with something right now, you don't know what to do, whether it be of relationships or finances or whatever problem in your life, whatever circumstance, quit trying to make it happen. Quit trying to figure it out in your pea brain. Father, I don't know what to do. Help me. I humble myself before You. I cry out for wisdom today. Speak to my heart and give me direction to know what to do, to know what to speak. That's what you do. So, it begins with reverence for God. It must be sought after. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those, this is wisdom speaking, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. See, too many of us are seeking the problem and not the answer. Too many of us are seeking the problem. We're so caught up with the circumstances and the problem that's looming before us that we fail to realize we need to seek after God. Seek first His kingdom. Seek His wisdom. Seek His solution. Number three, wisdom has a voice. Say, wisdom has a voice. Proverbs 1.20 says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. Proverbs 8, verse 1 through 6. Does not wisdom cry out? I'm shortening it up. Does not wisdom what? Cry out. 
she cries out by the gates, listen. Look up that passage from 1 through 6 and you'll see that wisdom has a voice. The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you taking the time daily to listen? Wisdom, number four, has paths. Wisdom has paths. Proverbs 3.17 says, Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and, her, and her, all her paths are peace. Her ways, wisdom's ways, are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths of peace. Years ago, I heard Buddy Harrison say this, and he, and he, he, he brought out this, this Scripture from Proverbs that I just read to you, and for some reason it just went off in me, and I've never forgotten that. And people will come to me and say, what, what do I do? What do I do? I, I need wisdom. How do I know I'm operating in the wisdom of God? If you're operating in peace. Wisdom's paths are pleasantness and peace. If you don't have peace, you're not operating in the wisdom of God. So if you don't have, then stay on your knees till you get it. Stay in His presence till you get it. The peace which surpasseth all understanding that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If you're not traveling on wisdom's paths, you're in a ditch. Gosh, it's quiet in this Lutheran church. If you're not on wisdom's paths, where are you? You're in a ditch. And you better get yourself out of that ditch Back up on the road of wisdom. Some of you, I look at you and it's like, huh? I hope you're getting it. The last one, you need to ask for it. Can you ask for wisdom? According to James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him beg of God. Ask of God who gives to all liberally. But when you ask Him, Oh, Father, I, I need, I'm asking You for wisdom. But then a half an hour later, Oh, but Father, I need wisdom. Half hour later, you tell your mate, Oh, I sure need some wisdom. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, you're doubting. You're, that's doubt and wavering. If you ask God for wisdom, ask Him once. And then you say, Father, thank You. That's faith. I believe I received the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of You. Now, you can pray that prayer. It's an anointed prayer, and I have it, and I pray it daily. But ask God for something. Don't keep asking and asking and asking. Try thanking Him. I believe I received the spirit of wisdom. I have the wisdom of God. I know where I'm going. I know how I'm going to do this. That'll attract God. Solomon's heart turned from God. That's the end of the story. God told him explicitly not to multiply horses, but he did. Told him, told him explicitly, stay away from pagan women. But he did not. 
1 Corinthians 10.12. It says, don't be so naive and self-confident you're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. No one here is above not making a mistake or not falling. But keep your heart humble. And if you miss it like I've missed it, you, you say, Father, forgive me. I've missed it. I've made a mistake. I've screwed up. And guess what? He'll forgive you. And He'll get you back on the road of wisdom again. No humility, no wisdom. No wisdom, no order. No order, no glory. Here's some questions. And then, can you put that prayer up for me, please? Last minute, I had had her type this prayer. Ask yourself: Is there evidence of pride in my life? I can't answer that. Is there evidence of pride in my life? Now, let's say this together: Is there evidence? Let's start. Is there evidence of pride in my life? Number two, am I willing to humble myself before God and ask for His help? Are there any areas in my life that are out of order? What is my daily fellowship like? With the God of glory. You now see if you can be truthful with that one. Because if you have no fellowship with the God of wisdom, you're not going to be walking in wisdom. Let's stand up this morning. I finished. Got through it. Next time we'll go through and see there's three keys that are evident also in experience the glory of God. But let's pray this. Can we, can we pray it? Heavenly Father, Your Word states that You are the high and lofty One who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. You dwell in the high and holy place with Him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Your Word states that you resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. I ask you to forgive me for any pride in my life. Holy Spirit, reveal to me areas of pride that must be uprooted from my heart. I choose today to humble myself under your mighty hand. Submit to your will and resist the devil so he will flee. I ask you for the spirit of wisdom to flow in all affairs of my life so I can experience divine order and Your glory. Your kingdom come, Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you were sincere about that, and you go this week and start your week, with some of the things that I shared, you're going to find yourself walking in the wisdom of God. And if you operate in that long enough, you'll see... Your finances change. Your relationships restored. Your family blessed. Amen. Is there anyone in this house today who needs prayer for your physical body? I never want to be negligent of prayer.
praying for the sick. Are you all healthy? Wealthy and wise. Say, I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. And I'm wise. Amen.